Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. Hi, Nana. Hi, Nono. Hi, Louis. Hi, Louis. So, obviously, uh, somewhat of a special Doctor and Dad podcast today. Uh, we are uh, have our first guest ever on the podcast. Now, if you've been listening regularly or irregularly, you know that it's usually just me, or it's always been just me and Nicole discussing a, a topic um, of interest. But uh, today we took advantage of two things. One is the fact that I'm in Portland, Maine, visiting family, including my mom and dad, Nicole's Nana and Nono, um, and the fact that um, that Nana and Nono have some interesting stories, I think, related to health span, which is the topic of this podcast. So um, we decided to uh, to take advantage of that situation and have our first guest. So welcome to the Dr. and Dad podcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you're as excited as I am. Absolutely. And, and Nicole is. Yes, we're very excited <laughs> yes. to talk to you guys today. Yes. Sure, absolutely. So uh, a little bit of background first. Um, with, uh, we don't have to get into specific birth dates, but both of you guys are either approaching 80 or solidly in your 80s with no-no being the, the latter and Nana being the, the former. Uh, and as we said, both of you have some interesting health span stories. Um, so let's go back to, so, and first of all, uh, Nana, you were born in where? Portland. Portland, Maine. Maine. There's two Portlands Portland, at least. Portland, that's right. Portland, Maine. And Nona, you were born? I was born in Catania, Italy. Italy or Sicily. Um, and so let's start out with that. So um, in, in terms of your kind of early childhood upbringing, um, fairly active, and what, what did uh, your, you know, you commonly kind of, uh, what did mealtimes commonly include first Nanna? Um, mealtimes were um, always family together eating at least the um, one meal of the day at dinner time when the family was always together and the meal itself consisted of uh, local food uh, sort of where was it meat and potatoes uh, no a variety a variety of foods sometimes soups sometimes a meat and potato and vegetable and uh, fruit um, and always a simple dessert, even if it was jello, jello. <laughs> just jello. Long there was jello. always something, but 
everything was home cooked by my mother, not my father. Right. My so mother. no, no prepared foods. No prepared foods whatsoever. No craft macaroni and cheese. No, no, no. <laughs> everything was scratch, including any bakery goods or anything like that. Yes. And no, no. I assume there was no craft macaroni and cheese in Catania. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> in those days, in those days, you're talking about my infancy or my teenage times mostly was affected by the Second World War. Right. So food was very, very hard to get. Scarce. And, uh, you know, my mother and father did the miracles to get us fed. Put a meal together. Yeah. But mostly the main meals were at one o'clock, which so they are always at one o'clock was pasta, fish, mostly fish, salad, yeah, and uh, some fruit. But uh, that was when the war was over and when things started getting more uh, normalized. normalized. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then, then I, and I play a lot of soccer. Yeah. So I was always moving. Then I, the last, my last soccer game was a couple of days before I, I went into the liner. Hmm. I took the liner to come in this country. So before, but before we jump ahead to the time you came to this country, so I understand things changed. A couple of things interesting there, Nicole, I think. One is, um, for Nono, the, the timing of, so both of these guys, no, no prepared foods um, mm -hmm. for most of their childhood, but the timing of the, meal, the, 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 the big meal of the day in Sicily, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. In the U.S., it's six o'clock at night. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. And, and that's most of Europe, right? Or is that just Italy? Most of Europe, most yes. Of yeah. Europe, yeah. yeah. Which more corresponds to that, that concept that we had talked about before, um, circadian rhythm, uh, eating, uh, you know, or eating a concert with your circadian rhythm. So not... Uh, and not taking that big meal at the end of the day. Right. So. Earlier, the earlier you can do it, the better. And that's definitely what other some other countries um, do, and we do not. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, pretty active uh, lifestyles mm -hmm. as well as as kids. Probably so. a lot more walking in general places to stores to school than people do now. Exactly right, and and so and. and Obviously, we hear so much about that Mediterranean diet. Well, you, no, no, you lived it uh, during those. Well, that was it. It was there. We were eating fish six days a week, right? Meat on Sunday, right? And uh, so, because uh, Catania is right on the water, and uh, my father would go to the fish market every day, mm -hmm. and uh, you you would actually make cook the fish when he'd come home. Yeah, and right. because he would tell my mother. That she would know how to do it. <laughs> he didn't trust her to make we it. Were, no, we were having fun. So very uh, fresh. The food also yeah. is very fresh. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, exactly. Very fresh. Now, now, Portland, Maine is obviously on the ocean. Big fish industry. Mm -hmm. Not as much fish. Not the... as much. And when we would have fish, it would be uh, generally a white fish. Nothing had it. Too str mm -hmm. it. Although my father was Norwegian and he preferred the uh been in Hattie or some some stronger uh taste of fish 
but my mother did the cooking and she mm -hmm. made the decisions with this eye to that. So mainly, mainly a haddock. And we should say, mention that. So I, uh, my, my mom's mom, my grandmother um, was from Naples, Italy. Correct. Um, and obviously Nona's parents are, are both from, well, if not Catania itself, Sicily in, in general. No, Catania. Catania. Okay, well, your dad was born. Uh, uh, well, he was city. born in Caltagirone, which is uh, Close. a province, the province of uh, Catania, uh, attached to uh, Yeah, a little ways up there. Um, so, so let's let's move on a little bit now. So, so you're you know now you come to the to the U.S. when well, you I, were 27. I came 19 when I was 27, 1959, and then um, and obviously met mom. I met, I met my wife uh, Marie. Uh, over here. Now that's a that's a story for another podcast. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> story. What I'm saying is, that, <laughs> what I want to emphasize yeah. is that the when I arrived here, I was maybe 160, 165 pounds. Okay, six because, feet. You know, that's uh, almost six feet. Yeah. And uh, but then I got married, and the first year. I had the first child. We had the first child. That would be me. I will. <laughs> I will be gaining around twenty pounds in year already, one already, because uh, I wasn't doing any sport. I was just was going to work and uh, eat. Eat like going to the stores over here and see all that abundance. Mm -hmm. They make you inebriated. You know what I mean? So you noticed that right when you first got here. Definitely. I used to go, because I tell you, through the, the Second World War, psychologically, you get an impression mm -hmm. that uh, are we going to eat today? Right. The question. That was not a certainty. So, in fact, I worked in Switzerland for five years, and uh, I was uh, adjusted to the life there. And, yeah. Uh, so when I came here, I still had the, I used to go to the store, to the grocery store, just to buy maybe a bunch of uh, parsley, but look at all that stuff there that it was on display. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like secure. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, is, I think that I've heard somewhat similar stories from people who experience the depression in the United States, and that, natural that feeling of deprivation. Now, you weren't mom born during the Depression. No. You were after that. After that, but it was still not quite the abundance of, that it is I now. I did. I didn't have any any uh, knowledge of, if it had if there was scarcity, and uh, there was rationing that I recall slightly during the war years, near the end of the war is when I began to have recollection. But that rationing is different from scarcity. Right. I mean, right. or from- But did you hear stories from- I heard stories from my parents yeah. about the depression and the hardships that they went through during the depression. And uh, yeah, I, I heard that. I remember hearing that uh, like she, they would catch pigeons. They would catch- Pigeons, I, that a lot were they were their meat for the day. Unbelievable. Were, yeah. Well, when you, you when you have nothing. Oh yeah. You Absolutely. resort to 
the Anything. what's available yep. pigeon squirrel um what's yeah. available and we were lived in the city not in the countryside so it had to be things that were available you weren't growing yourself you weren't hunting. we weren't yeah. we weren't growing any vegetables in uh, our yard so to speak yeah. but you that's but that was very short-lived mm -hmm. for, for us so the, the other thing States. i want to mention is both of you were smoking back then uh, well, I started smoking when I was 13 years old. And yeah. I started through when the, I was 16. Through the GI guys, the militaries in Catania, that uh, we used to go after them when they used to throw the butt out. We used to pick it up and <laughs> you want to imitate, you want to imitate the, the, the big guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were you know, And uh, so that's how I started. And it took me two, three months to really get through with them because I used to throw up, you know what I mean? So you fought your way through. I fought, yeah, because <laughs> I was a, I, I want to compete with my friends. You know what I mean? Cool. We were doing this, this stuff. And that was uh, at the beginning of my downfall. Right. I can say this right now because I've been suffering through all my life. Well, right. and many people, so obviously well before any Surgeon General's warnings. Of right smoking and but uh, nobody in those days would say the cigarette is not good or don't smoke it's right all that stuff there Absolutely in those days nothing. was a propaganda that uh, we used to me and my friends were, we used to wait for this other friend they always had cigarette in his pocket and then he would light up and we would be three four of us smoking that cigarette <laughs> i mean yeah. i can still remember that I mean, uh, and uh, now I uh, was able one time to stop. I, th I don't know where we were. I was driving and I saw three boys, maybe 16, 17, all three smoking. Yep. I stopped the car, come back, stop right in front of them, get out of the car. I had the, <laughs> the audacity <laughs> to <laughs> say, look, you guys. You gotta stop smoking. How old were you when you when you? No, now this was <laughs> two three years ago. Recently, yeah. yeah gotcha. I, I said I gotta do this because these guys here they're just starting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And they and and they were looking at me like if I was how uh, dare you? You know. Yeah. But finally they start smiling, and says, "Yeah, I think you're right." You know, one of them says, yeah, "I think you're right." Please, mm -hmm. I said, stop. You know. And then I left. So I don't know what happened to them now. Well, and, and Nana, you smoked through at least four pregnancies. Uh, yes, through four pregnancies because they were very quick, one after the other. And I stopped um, uh, right at the beginning of my fifth pregnancy. So I smoked for about 20 years. And that was it. And once I stopped that was the end of it. But by that time, there was the beginning of um, the, the information was coming out that uh, this is not really good for you. And uh, it definitely wasn't good for your growing fetus. And I guess I really believed that. And so I, that's when I I, I had the yeah the ability to quit and and when I was a casual. Well, hang on, we're not going to not going to get to that yet. I just want to recap for a second. Yeah. So what we've got, Nicole, is we we we're smoking, 
we're eating American foods at that point, some McDonald's, although I remember McDonald's being a treat, but some more maybe processed stuff at that point. You certainly yeah. run, run. Yeah. You certainly had the stress of raising a young family. The stress and was definitely the financial yes. stress. Financial and stress, yep. yep. Um, and it's not like anyone was doing exercise and jogging and going to no, the No, because nobody told you, because that was so natural here. And I'm not saying this to, to indict it. I just, no, no. But let me just say, when, we, when I was growing up here in the United States, we were just vicariously always on the go. Mm -hmm. Of course, there was no entertainment in the house. All of your entertainment was with your friends outside the house. And so all your games, all your sources of playing were yeah. outside the house. So you were always active. No, uh, very few people owned an automobile. You walked everywhere you went, whether it be to school, to the grocery store, to the bank, to the church, mm -hmm. to your doctor's appointments, everywhere you walked um, to those appointments, to, to the skating rink. Uh, the ice skating pond. Uh, so that baseline activity level. Activity is level was a normal. Oh my heavens! It yeah. was it it was taken for granted that you got up and you moved all the time. So nobody had to tell you to move because you were moving all the time gotcha. if you lived a life. So it's interesting that you know, and of course, can't fault anyone who was smoking when we didn't know that there were negative effects of smoking and how many kids did you say you had while you were smoking through your pregnancies four the first four first because four. i had four children in five yeah. years and, and so they didn't have any <laughs> any problems effect. that we no, know no, of from no smoking. no adverse effects well, from that smoking that we know of. we're extraordinary but we could have been even more so. even more extraordinary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. but yeah so yeah. it's that's Definitely. Well, we, we probably, you know, probably 80% plus of the kids being born were born to mothers who were smoking. Right. At the time. 50, and, 60, and also, I'll mention another thing, uh, Nicole, which uh, years ago, uh, when I, uh, I had uh, my first children were uh, when I was from 20 to 25, my first four. And so we were very young, very uh, youth. You, uh, you know, genetics prefers youth, I would, I would right. say. Yes. Um, and today's first time mother uh, or fourth time mother, I'll, I'll bet is um, right. probably not that young. True. They I'll start think. their yep. families much later and they have their, uh, fewer children. Yep. So, yep. Definitely true. Mm -hmm. So fast forward now and, now and we'll pick up with, with Nono's story. Uh, uh, you know, I, I can remember in my teens hearing the word um, angina or angina, I think, angina. Um, um, probably for, at the first, for the first time, you were in your 40s. And, and what that means is you were having heart pains if you walked, you know, not too far. Early 40s was that? Right. Time? right. So that's when that, uh, all of a sudden I was having that pain and I thought it was cold. Hmm. I went to Italy, and uh, I used to take aspirins, you know, but didn't go away, come back. So finally, I told my mother-in-law if she knew of a heart doctor. Here in the U.S., obviously. Here in the, yeah, and uh, 
I remember his name was Dr. Martin, a Dr. Martin. And uh, my, this other doctor had given me a tranquilizer. You know what I mean? Right, right. Because he uh, thought it was stress related. Right. So the doctor says, this is just a mild effect. He says, you don't want to live your life like that, you know. So uh, he told me that uh, then they took tests and so forth. So they told me that uh, I had angina. So he gave me that pill uh, to put under the tongue. Nitro. Nitro, yes, nitro and all that stuff. But then... Uh, but all I, that does is relieve the no. symptom to some then, extent. Right. Then I was... Uh, I want to go to the gym. Uh, at the University over here on Maine, they had a, a class in the morning with nurses and all that stuff there for people like me. But before I can enter that, I had to take a, a stress test. And this doctor, Dr. Famous Peter Shaw, a heart doctor, gave me the test. And I couldn't last two minutes on the treadmill. <laughs> Nicole, how does, that, how does that compare to the normal person? Well, usually you can compete or complete the whole, you know, ideally you complete the whole stress test without pain. But if you have pain, that's, you know, you usually stop it. But Sometimes people don't have pain, but they have the EKG readout um, changes that show that your heart's being strained. So, so you can get those changes before you even have pain that we can pick up on a stress test. But he was having um, he was Shot having pain, pain even. Pain. So, I mean, that's kind of that. I'm I'm sure he had obviously the changes too. But how old were you? Now, when you got the I was test? in my 40s. I, I really don't remember. Mid 40s. Oh, but, uh, but then, uh, as I get out of it, was done because huh? I wouldn't otherwise, you know, have a patient in their 40s who's, you know, even if they were a smoker, necessarily get a stress test before they started exercising. So that's but good. But anyway, I uh, immediately I told him if he, no, he says to me, Jimmy, you you got problems. Yeah. I says, do you like to have this uh, case? You asked him. I asked him. And he says, well, tell your doctor to make an appointment. So I did. Yep. And the first day I met this guy, uh, I was sitting down. And he says, Jimmy, he says, do you smoke? I says, well, doctor, I do. He says, well, if you don't want to stop smoking, Go find somebody else. This is a famous phrase that I remember clearly, okay? And uh, so when I get out of the office, I was determined because I tried so many times that I couldn't. Mm -hmm. That this time I was going to stop. I came home and I said, Marie, I said, I I don't want to lose this doctor. And by this time, none that had stopped smoking. Yes, yes. Yes. A little easier to stop in the hospital. Yeah, with nobody. I had stopped, I would say, uh, probably at least a year, if not two years or three years before that. This was 1982. 82. Mm -hmm. So it would have been five years previously I had stopped smoking. 1982. I promised this doctor I was going to stop. So I told her, I says, I got to stop. 
So we used to go to those conventions, painting conventions yeah, yeah, yeah. in the White Mountains up there in New Hampshire. Yeah. So we made an appointment where we took a room in one of those hotels. And I last, I smoked my last cigarette on my way out over here from the driveway. And I drove over there, suffered all weekend long. <laughs> Cold turkey. Yeah. It took about two weeks finally because it was it looked like something was pulling pulling my chest out. The the body was requiring that stuff. Well that addiction is yeah. one of the worst addictions. So Nicole, you've had patients that uh, I assume um, have been smokers who are trying to quit. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things. The the physical addiction to the the nicotine and then the mental and behavioral addiction. It's one of the hardest things for people to to kick. So yeah, it is. It is a very very difficult habit to. Nicole, uh, Nicole, tell, uh, I'll tell you what how difficult it is. <laughs> I used to tell officially that I stopped smoking. Okay. Mm -hmm. I buy a, a pack of cigarettes on my way uh, after I get out of the house in the morning to go to work. Mm -hmm. By three o'clock, I smash the rest of the cigarettes that were there and threw it away and come home nice and clean, okay? Mm -hmm. All night long, I'm suffering and trying to find a butt somewhere, but I couldn't. Yep. Okay, so I couldn't wait until the next morning. So next morning, I go to the shop. I can't wait until one of my guys come in and bum a cigarette. Yep. So that's, uh, and that was kind of the, the extent of uh, the, how low you can go. Right. You know? Absolutely. And then finally, this doctor had the capacity to make me stop because I understood. And he put me through that uh, 1985, I had open heart surgery, okay? And the, I had this doctor for 23 years. He kept me alive, including science that kept me alive. That's what keep me alive today. Right, so okay. in 1985, at the age of, how old would you have been in 1985? I can't do my math. 55. Yeah. Yes. So. And then two years later, I had my colon. Uh, but we, uh, we're not even going to get to your colon, colon yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, because on. I am a subject. Excuse me. I am a subject. I know. Right in this discussion, I hope a lot of people listen because I had a lot of stress and a lot of things happened to my body. But I'm still here. And like I said, I thank the scientists that are capable to do that. Right, but they didn't do it on their own. So we're gonna get that. But I just wanna note that the, the, the open heart surgery was quadruple bypass. That's right. Which is which is significant. You know, I, I guess you can get a quintuple bypass occasionally, but so they, they had to bypass four clogged arteries in your heart. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and just in general, to have that done as young as you were and to be here right now because that usually kind of like buys you a long time but not forever 
because um, it's not like you got a whole new heart. They just had to buy. They had to bypass your vessels, and and it's not definitely not the norm to have somebody do well decades after that. Well, Nicole, I can just add this: that be, uh, once he became um, convinced mm-hmm. that he needed to live li- live a different lifestyle, then we lear- had to learn a completely different way of eating yep. um, and we and a completely different way of um, living our lives and tra- yeah. trying to get out and do some exercise and trying to diminish the stress right. because we had begin- begun to hear that all those things were not working for us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think, uh, and maybe we, sh- we can add now that uh, the the uh, the marriage is about sixty years old, so it's helpful to have a partner mm-hmm. through, throughout the whole thing. That both of you can work together in tandem to get the the big job done. Right. If you had right. kept on smoking, if you had kept on, you know, not not I, being I don't want to say kept on boozing it because well, you never boozer. Yeah. Well, it, Alcohol but was just, never just really a problem. Not uh, switching from yeah. away from butter toward olive oil. Yes, and, and those you know, types of fish, things. Less and meat. let's uh, and and also just try to have a a, a more serene lifestyle than mm-hmm. um, right. Always high drama. You know that doesn't yep. work well. So just well, don't forget five kids. Yeah, right. Is uh, uh, challenging. Is very challenging, and also, you know, once the kids are coming, you know, they're there. You just get to ignore them, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's uh, and you know that, and then yeah, it's uh, all of a sudden it changes your life, you yeah. know, and the uh, their problem become your problems, you know. So, yeah, well, so, so to, to 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 capture the lifestyle changes, yes. no more smoking. Start uh, less red meat, less butter, less eggs, all the stuff that cholesterol, cholesterol. type. Um, yeah. And that was, the, t- these days there's some debate around how much that dietary cholesterol is correlated That's with heart right. disease. But it, That's it, right. But at any rate, what you did was you know, replace a lot of that with olive oil, more fish, more vegetables, more, and, and then exercise. You've been going to the gym for how many years now? Oh, uh, God. Since decades. All is yes. decades. Yes. 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 Um, and as you've mentioned, less stress in your life overall. And what that buys you is, um, you know, now you're going on 32 years post quadruple bypass. Right. So, so what, what that tells you, Nicole, and it, I don't know if you see this clinically with your patients to some extent, but not only can you kind of stop those, the, those bad processes happening yes. in your body, you can, you can turn back the time, the, the clock right. a, a little bit at least. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, and I think patients know that it's not medicine, the medicine can only get you so far. So it's the people who are able to make lifestyle changes that do the best in the long run. Right. So I think, and I think that's the key is the medicine and the science can get you prolonged lifespan, but not necessarily prolonged health span. Right. Granted, you've had you've had some. I'm talking to no, no now some issues um, recently that have slowed you down. But you've had a function, very functional life. 
Oh, up to two um, years ago. Uh, up to two years ago, I was uh, very active. I could drive from here to Florida and back. You still were active yeah. last week. Yeah, and you're even still relatively active. You're an 87-year-old. You're not, you're not doing yeah. so bad. Right. The other, the other thing, well, before we, 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 we want to focus all attention. Yeah. So I want to go back to Nana for a second because um, Nana's dad uh, passed away from a heart attack when he was young, had a major heart attack even younger than that. So you've you've had some heart disease, obviously, at least on that side of the family, not yes. necessarily on your mom's side, right? No. How old was Correct. was Gramps when he had his first heart attack? He had his first heart attack at 40. 40. So he, very young. Yes. Yeah. And uh, died at 60. Okay. His second heart attack. Now, do you think... I'm just curious that the the primary cause was genetic or lifestyle or both or who knows. I think genetic because uh, cardiovascular disease seemed to be rampant in uh, his siblings. They also had cardiovascular uh, problems, and right. sooner or later, each his father died. His father died. It's my grandfather died at sixty from heart disease mm -hmm. right on the same so, schedule on the same schedule yeah and and my father's uh sister and brothers had some form of heart disease all of them although the 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 younger ones lived longer because it seems as though as science advanced and knowledge uh came about to control heart disease um there was less of an impact on the family, but the the condition still existed. So when you get, Nicole, I'm curious, when you get a patient that's got a strong family history of heart disease, mm -hmm. are, are you prescribing lifestyle changes kind of more aggressively than you would otherwise? Yeah, lifestyle changes, but also like screening, stress test and that kind of stuff that will, and like, you know, if you're someone who's borderline as far as should you take a statin for cholesterol and that will definitely tip you to the you need to be on it if you have a strong family history so if you're ever if you're someone you're kind of like they don't fit all the criteria to get a stress test or to start a statin but then you find out about their strong family history that kind of seals the deal for a lot of things but in, in your yes. case mom with if you look at your siblings and and um uh, now, granted, your your brother passed away from colon cancer, but in my mother's family, there's a strong uh, uh, genetic factor of colon cancer, but not heart disease. But not heart disease. Mm -hmm. So my my. So you got brother, the you got the the gold coin for the heart disease, and you got the yeah. the well, I don't know piece of hunk of coal for the, for the colon, colon cancer. cancer. Yeah, mm -hmm. So, well, better than having. You know, the, then both, the, the, both. Then both yes. uh, as risk yes. factors. Yes. Uh, and, yeah. and so we should talk about that a little bit as well. So um, uh, Uncle Dickie, um, your brother, passed away from colon cancer. At his, 60 years old. And he, caught, he had was, it mid-50s. It was, he, it was uh, 55. Yeah, 55, he was diagnosed and fought it for all those years and actually died from um, metastasized cancer to the uh, liver. So, and, and as a result of that, you and your sisters all had colonoscopies get checked. That's right. That's right. And 
uh, up until a year ago, uh, I always had, had a clean colonoscopy. And a year ago, I had lots of polyps, precancerous oh, polyps, polyps. All polyps. of a sudden. But didn't your sisters have, have And some? always since the time they have been uh, testing themselves, they always have had precancerous polyps. So they always get tested within uh, uh, the range that their doctors recommend. And I think it's either five, three to five years uh, 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 in uh, another colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. And so. then, but, and then I know that like, I, I obviously you encouraged me and my brothers to get tested exactly. well before that is the, Nicole, is the, is the recommended uh, age for testing for uh, having your first colonoscopy still 50? So <clears throat> it is, but it's not. So the new guidelines actually recommend starting it at 45 or some of the guidelines. Um, and that's very new in the past couple of years. The problem is um, it hasn't been adopted by everyone and it hasn't been adopted by insurance yet. So uh -huh. while we have to, you know, that is not because we see a lot more colon cancer in younger people. So that's why they've bumped it to 45, but insurance and all the other, you know, guidelines haven't, haven't quite caught up to that yet. So in the future, it will be 45, but right now we still kind of do 50. Okay. Barring, barring any genetic. But, it, but yeah, if you've got family history, then that, that then that, so that would be usually it's 10 years your first degree family, yeah. your first degree relative was diagnosed. Uh -huh. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know when I went, I had uh, precancerous polyps at, uh, in the, I think it's probably early forties at that stage. And I've been mm -hmm. back a couple of times. Sometimes they find them, sometimes they don't, but I mean, that, that is one cancer that unless you've got a freak uh, scenario where I've heard people in their thirties, let's say, get, you know, get, getting but it's a that's a rarity it's a rarity right so that's one cancer that is almost completely avoidable exactly as long as you get screened but there's still a stigma around that with some people i've talked to some people like oh, i want to go yeah. i know yeah 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 so um so uh you know i, I think the the prescription at any rate um that we you know that you guys exemplify is part of it's that lifestyle piece Part of it's the fortune of having good genetics in, in some cases that I think, you know, part of you having the longevity you've had given the poor lifestyle previously and the heart problems is you've got some good genetics in your family around longevity. Your brother right. lived to, well, right. first your mom and dad lived to, to, to what my, age? My dad died at 80. Okay. From? From uh, heart disease. Oh, did from, he? Uh, stroke. That. Stroke. He had the uh, stroke. Okay. Yeah. Uh, stroke. But yeah. at 80, it's not that young. No, yeah, but, that's... Uh, but my mother passed away when she was 94. There you go. Right. Yeah. And uh, my sister, older sister, died 93. And my brother, 93. <laughs> right. And all so of these folks are, are lived in Italy all their lives. Yeah. You know, yeah, my brother had the, the same problem that we had because the Ascanios had all the problem with the with their heart, you know, that mm -hmm. comes from, not from the Panisi, my, my mother's side, yeah. from the, my the father's, father's side. side, 
that the heart had this problem. But, but still, no one's having heart attacks at 40. But my brother, my brother had the uh, IFib, yeah. and he had a, a, a pacemaker. Okay, and uh, I had a pacemaker installed maybe 1950, uh, 80, or no, or 19 in 2000, 2000. Right, right. And uh, aortic valve. And, right. uh, and then uh, two years ago, I have a aortic valve installed. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's face it. <laughs> I, I, I'm enjoying the interventions. The, the times. The times and uh, so imagine going through my groin to install that valve. Wow, you know, amazing. it's uh, it's unbelievable. It took ten seconds to the guy <laughs> to do it. I mean, right. he explained to me in the morning, and I couldn't believe what he did. He says they they raised my heart so fast that they looked like he stopped. They stopped. Yeah. And yeah. took him ten seconds to put the thing in there to drop it in place. Yeah, that the the um, what they're able to do medically, because obviously you're not um, you know at a point where they can they can do open heart surgery. Which, That's the which, reason why they whoever come up with this uh, idea, because uh, they told me they cannot go through my chest because I won't last the recoup time. Yeah. So. So anyway, the other I want to what, I want to catch one other piece, and that is the good fortune, and and again, probably most of this lies genetically, but the good fortune that um, you've been able to avoid the other scourge of aging, which is dementia and or Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So and and so is there is that prevalent on, on both sides of the family that you don't there there isn't too no, much. In, and on my side of the family, on my mother's side, my father's side died too young to, uh, unless it was there. early, they yeah. never got um, much beyond 60 years old. Uh, my mother's side lived longer and there was um, a fair amount of um, dementia, in early dementia, early dementia in that side of the family. Gotcha. Gotcha. My mother had, um, when she passed away, she had a uh, an autopsy was performed on her, and uh, her brain did not have dementia. Signs of it. Yeah. But uh, her brother, who had passed away two years before her, but he was two years older oh, than yeah. her, he did have dementia. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan, on your side of the family, not. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Clear. <laughs> so I think so, we've got some good genetics yeah. working for us on that yeah. on that front. That, but, um, I, uh, the, the other day, the nurse was having fun with me about uh, making me remember things, you know. Apple uh, penny. Yeah, with yeah. Apple, apple penny table. table. <laughs> apple penny <laughs> table. And my date, what was the date today? What was the month, the year, and all that stuff? But anyway, thank God for so far that I can still remember things, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I think obviously this was a, a, a different format for us, uh, but I think it's it's good every once in a while to step away from those pure, um, almost theoretical scientific studies and uh, and dive into a little bit of real life, okay, here, here are two people. Now, granted, what you, what you lose then is 
the uh, the rigor of a scientific study and maybe the breadth of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully you get a little bit bit of personalized perspective. And and I, the moral of this story, at least for me, because that's you know both of you have been I think for all of us kids models of what healthy lifestyle can do and models of what an unhealthy lifestyle yeah. can do, particularly you, Dad, with all the all the problems right. that you've had. Uh, and that, to some extent, Nicole, you tell me, does, does it trickle down to your generation? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just unbelievable that he had quadruple bypass in his 40s, that Nono had quadruple bypass in his 40s and is 87 today. Yeah, yeah. it's just a sad. testament to a whole bunch of different things. Some of it might be genes, but the bad genes are what got him the quadruple bypass at 40. So yeah, right. and uh, the, all of the, the positive lifestyle changes that have been made since then you know, are what has kept him alive and, and well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Hopefully that empowers folks. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, at that point, but let's say thanks yes. to, to Nona and Nona. We're going to, we're going to yeah. um, actually Thank- make some, uh, make some pasta tonight, but we're going to have some fish <laughs> with it. So. so there you go. Yes. Nice. Hey, Nicole. Yes. I got a question. Sure. Can I have a, a what is the name of the boy? What boy? Uh, the, the one that's coming. Oh, the one in my stomach growing. Yes. Oh, I can't say that. I don't, we don't know yet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's, nice try. Nicole, that's, <laughs> Nicole, that is the right answer. <laughs> yes. The absolute right answer. Thank you, Nicole. It's yes. lovely. Nice of course, thank to you guys. See you nice guys too. To you. <laughs> Bye, Nicole. Bye. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com, that's spelled T H E D R A N D D A D.com, for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now, the legal disclaimer this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.